Hey, welcome to the Meta Church Podcast. We're thankful that you're taking part of your day to spend it with us, and we pray this message encourages you, inspires you, and leads you to experience the transformative power of Jesus in your life. One of the things I hear most consistently from people is that they don't feel close to God, that they don't feel connected with Him. I've been in ministry many years. I was a pastor's kid my entire life before that. So church is something I know well. This conversation is one that I've had often. It's so easy sometimes to feel not close to God, to not feel connected with him, myself included. Now, the only thing harder and more difficult than not feeling close to God is when God doesn't feel close to us. It's one thing, you know, when we don't feel close to God and we know that there's probably something, if we're honest, that we could do more, right? We could read our Bible more. We could show up to church more frequently. But it's an entirely different thing. It's an entirely more difficult thing when you're doing everything seemingly right and yet God feels far and distant. I think when we desire God's closeness, it's proof. We aren't satisfied just knowing there's a God. We're not content with a distant God that gives out tickets to heaven. It's not enough for us. We want something more. This is exactly what David cried out in Psalm 51 when he said this, Lord God, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. You see, David wanted more than knowledge of God. He wanted more than just to be obedient to God. He cried out for intimacy with him. He cried out to feel connected with God. You see, intimacy is an interesting thing. We can have a lot of good relationships in our life, but not all of them have intimacy, right? I'll give you a couple examples in my own life. My friend Allie is the first friend I'll share with you about. Allie, I met her the very first day of seventh grade when I was an acne-faced seventh grader, rocking white Adidas with the navy blue stripes. You either get that or you don't. That was like the ultimate fit check of the 1990s, okay? I met her the first day of seventh grade. I love Allie, okay? I respect Allie. She's the friend that I've had the longest. I will always be grateful for Allie and how she pushed Jennifer Rogers up against the locker that one time she picked on me. I love her. I respect her. But here's the thing, I don't have intimacy in my friendship with her. You see, I live in New York City. She lives in Washington State. We can't talk as often as we like. We don't get to see each other as much as I wish we could. I love her, I respect her, but I don't have intimacy in my friendship with her. Now I wanna share with you another friendship I have, and that is Melissa. Go ahead and raise your hand, Melissa. (laughs) Melissa did not know that I was gonna have her raise her hand today. I'm surprised. So Melissa, okay, I have known Melissa decades less than Allie, decades less. Me and Melissa met in a Bible study six years ago. We've probably only been real friends, active friends, for the last three to four years. I haven't even lived in the same city as Melissa until the last eight months. But here's the difference between my relationship with Allie and my relationship with Melissa. Me and Melissa, we walk through the tough things together, the tough stuff. We tell the long version of the story. You have a friend where you can tell them the long version of the story, the long version and the unedited version of the story. That's how me and Melissa are. We have grieved with each other and we've celebrated with each other. We've mourned loved ones that passed miscarriages and betrayals. We've celebrated babies and birthdays. You see, I love both of these friends, but only one of these relationships has intimacy. 
If you were to look at your life, you'd see the same, right? Not all of your relationships have intimacy. You don't have the same intimacy with a coworker as you do with your spouse. You may have more intimacy with a close friend or roommate than you even have with a family member. Intimacy requires closeness and proximity. Intimacy requires regular communication. And the same is true with our relationship with God. We may have a relationship with God, but do we have intimacy with him? Are we intimately connected with him? The good news is if you don't, then you can, starting today. I'm going to look back at that verse that I shared. It says this, Lord God, unlock my heart. Unlock my lips, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices that I might offer to you. You see, if you want more out of your relationship with God, then the good news is he wants more out of his relationship with you. Like this scripture said, he wants more than your obedience. He wants more than your good behavior. He wants more than you dressed in your Sunday's best and putting on a religious performance. God wants a meaningful relationship with you. And that meaningful relationship, like this scripture says, is unlocked by your heart and your lips. That's what this series that we're entering into today is all about. It's about unlocking your heart and lips in prayer and worship, and with it, unlocking the meaningful relationship that God desires to have with you. We just finished a series called Meta 3.0, where Ricky and I spoke over our church, spoke over your lives, what God wants to do in you, awaken you, manifest in you and your life. Two of the things we talked about were prayer and worship. And if you think about that, those two ways that we can show our devotion to God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to share practical ways that you can grow in prayer and worship. And with it, unlock the meaningful, intimate, connected relationship that God wants to have with you. And that you want to have with him, if you're honest. Today... We'll be reading from Luke 18, 10 through 14. You can go ahead and pull that up on your phone if you have your Bible, but it'll also be up on the screen. It's in this passage that we see what really matters to God, what it really means to be devoted to him. And interestingly, a lot of it has to do with prayer. It's in this story that Jesus gathers together a group of people and tells them this story. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like the tax collector. He sounds lovely, does he not? <laughs> I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But then another man enters the scene. It says this, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes up to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Then Jesus ends by saying this, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. This sinner, not the Pharisee with the good behavior, doing everything right, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I love this passage because Jesus turns religion on its head in this passage. He shows us and debunks some major beliefs about what it means to be truly devoted to him. We see in this passage that being devoted to God is not about showing up to some holy place. It's not about showing up to some majestic temple, 
to light candles in some cathedral. It's not even about you coming here this Sunday. The Pharisee walked into the temple, but the tax collector never even entered into the holy place. We see that being devoted to God is not about your moral behavior. The Pharisee was checking all the religious boxes. He's doing everything, right? He's tithing. He's serving. He's making quilts for the retirement home. He's doing everything so morally correct and amazing. And yet God wanted something more. God wants more from us, guys, than our good behavior and our performance and the good things we do, even for his glory. He wants more from us. You see, being devoted to God is not about where we go. It's not about how we behave. Being devoted to God is about how we communicate with him. God wants to communicate with you this morning. Let that sink in. The creator of the heavens and the earth wants to talk to you. We see in this scripture, the tax collector spoke 12 feeble words to God, and yet something changed when he prayed. Hear me say this, something could change in your life, in your spirit, in your relationship with God if you prayed. Today I want to share with you a formula for the way that you can communicate with God. I've affectionately called this message a formula for closeness. If you want to have a relationship with God that's meaningful, if you want him to be closer to you tomorrow than he is today, I'm going to give you a formula of how you can communicate with him, how you can pray so as to unlock the relationship that God wants to have with you and you with him. I want to speak for a moment before I tell you my first one. I'm going to speak for a moment to the kids. Cool? Usually I don't speak to the kids, but here's what I want you to know, okay? Usually, Ricky and I are sharing really heavy, strange things up here that are way over your head, and we apologize for that. But this message is not that, okay? This message is just as much for you as it is for us, because God wants to talk to you guys, too. As you get older, you'll wonder, is this God really real, and does he really care about me? If you do these things, guys, God will show you that he's real. He'll show you how much he cares. Cool? Cool. There'll be snacks afterwards and like as a reward. All right. The first thing you have to do in this formula to get closer to God is you have to pray honestly. Pray honestly. You see, the Pharisee poured out a lot of things in prayer. He showed off a lot of cool tricks. He was doing all the right things. But never once was he honest about the state of his heart. What's the state of your heart this morning? It says this about the tax collector, though. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. We don't know what the tax collector is going through, but I'd argue it was a lot, right? He can't even look up to heaven as he prayed. Maybe he feels shame and unworthiness. You want to know the person that is the most uncomfortable in church on Sunday, the one that made a mistake last night or last week, and yet they're welcome. You're welcome this morning, no matter what you've done. Not only that, we could assume that maybe the tax collector is going through depression. I don't know if you've ever experienced depression, but man, like it ravages your spirit of all the things you thought were so part of you. I remember years ago going through my own season of depression and it just ravaged me of my joy and my confidence. And one of the weirdest attributes of my depression is I couldn't even make eye contact. Like if you looked at me, I'd just like look down. Because it ravaged me of my joy and my confidence. We don't know if the reason why the tax collector can't look up to heaven as he's praying is because he's walking through something that is ravaging his spirit. 
destroying his confidence and his courage and his hope. Maybe the reason he's not looking up to heaven as he prays is he's not even sure there's really someone up there that cares. You ever feel that? Where you're talking, you're like, I don't even know if you're up there and if you care. We don't know what he's going through, the heaviness that he's carrying, but here's what we know he was honest about it. Here's what it says. It says, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. You see, he didn't hide his feelings from God. He spoke honestly to him about it. He spoke honestly to God about how he felt and about what he had done. You see, if we're going to have a meaningful relationship with God, then we have to do the same thing. You see, God wants you to pour out your heart to him. Whatever state it's in, God wants you to pour out your heart to him. This is the purpose of prayer. This is the reason he wants you to communicate with him. This is a successful prayer, is one in which you've poured your heart out to God, no matter how ugly, no matter how heavy, no matter how not church appropriate. This one's hard for us. I've discipled and shepherded many, many people over the years, all different ages. And for whatever reason, this is hard for us to be honest with God. It's tough, but hear me say this. This is where you'll be transformed the most. This is foundationally the most important thing you need to do if you want to have a meaningful relationship with the God that created you is you sharing at the state of your heart. This is worth the effort, guys. We should be honest with God. You see, God doesn't want you to hide your feelings from him. He wants you to be honest with him. God wants you to pour out your heart to him no matter what state it's in, no matter how messy, no matter if it's not pretty, and even if it's not church appropriate. We see that this is how Jesus poured his heart up to God. I want you to see this scripture. It's powerful. Hebrews 5, 7 says this, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers. You see, I don't know where we began believing that God desires for us to be robotic and emotionless. Where we started believing that becoming more like Jesus means we need to stuff down our feelings in the name of faith. Because look at, look at Jesus here. Jesus didn't pray robotically. He prayed honestly. Jesus was holy, and yet he never withheld his hurts and his heartbreak from God. Hear me say this. There are no unfeelable feelings or unthinkable thoughts with God. None. You see, there's nothing too messy, no question too heavy. There's nothing you can walk through that's too hard for you to bring to him. He wants you to come to him. It doesn't matter if your prayers are spoken, if they're silent, if they're lengthy or a few. The tax collector only spoke 12 words. The only thing God cares is that you're honest with him. I want to give you something practical, simple, that you can do to grow in honesty with God. Okay, I want to give you simple things. This is a simple message, but make no mistake, this message could change your life and change your relationship with God. I want to give you a simple thing you can do, a great place to start in being honest with God is this, give God some adjectives. This is a great place to start in prayer. Give him some adjectives about how you're feeling. How are you feeling this week? How are you feeling going into this next week? How are you feeling going into this new year? How are you feeling about that provision you need, that project that's due, that thing that's burdening you about your children? Give God an adjective. Tell God, God, I'm anxious. 
God, I'm afraid. God, I'm lonely. God, I feel incapable. Think about the tax collector. He said, God, I'm sad. I'm deeply sad. Give God an adjective, because big or small, he cares, guys. And he wants you to be honest with him always. And he promises, if we're honest, that just like with Jesus, just like with the tax collector, he will hear our most honest prayers. The next thing we have to do is not just pray honestly. We have to pray specifically. Pray specifically. This is the second thing the tax collector did in that passage that I shared with you. If you remember, the tax collector said these words to God, be merciful to me. For I am a sinner. He needed mercy and he asked God for it. He was specific about what he needed from God and we should be too. Now, I don't know if you've ever sent a man to the grocery store, (laughs) but here's a little wisdom if you ever do, okay? You need to be specific, okay? You need to be more specific than you think you should be. Let me give you an example. Sebastian's like, she's preaching now. I'll give you an example. A couple years ago, Ricky and I were invited to a Cinco de Mayo party, and we were asked to bring the margaritas, okay? Now, I realize when I say that 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 is a paradox, that as pastors, we were asked to bring the margaritas, but we love Jesus and we're well-versed in scripture, but we also make a mean margarita, okay? So we're asked to bring the margaritas, and I remember asking Ricky to help me to go to the store and pick out 11 to 12 limes, okay? I remember as I went to go make those margaritas that day, it's a moment that has lived in our family's history forever, I opened the bag to find 11 to 12 limes, and they were all brown. Now, somebody please tell me, okay, what color is a lime supposed to be? Okay, we unanimously believe this, okay? So I come to Ricky, and I'm trying to understand. So I'm like, okay, I asked you to get limes. Okay, they're all brown. Limes are supposed to be green. And he proceeds to tell me two things. This one is a random side note, but you need to know this. The first thing he tells me is his um, method for picking out produce, okay? This is fascinating. You know how some people, they you know, squeeze something, shake something, tap something, taste something, smell it maybe? Ricky has a different method. My husband, he picks up the first thing, And then he said, you never buy the first one you touch. So you put that down. And then you buy the second one. That's his method for picking out produce. He also told me that's how he picks out birthday cards. So if he ever gives you a birthday card, just know he didn't put as much effort as you probably believe. He just picks the second one. But then I'll never forget what he told me. And this this is where it gets interesting. He said this. You said you, you didn't tell me that you needed green limes. And then he goes like this. If you needed green limes, then why didn't you ask for them? If you needed green limes, then why didn't you ask for them? Now, here's the lesson to be learned, guys. Be specific, okay? Be specific. Be more specific than you think you should be. And that goes for sending a man to the grocery store. But also, it goes for prayer. God wants you to be specific with him. If you need green limes, then ask God for them. You see, he wants you to be specific in prayer, but so often We're not, if you think about it. So often we're not. I want to share with you this quote. I love this quote. It's by Charles Spurgeon. I say this a lot, but Charles Spurgeon, he's a pastor from like 130 years ago. And I'm going to get to heaven one day, and I'm going to hug Jesus, and then I'm going to go high-five Spurgeon because he's my person. And this is what he says. It's so powerful. He says, we often ramble in our prayers after this, that, and the other, and we get nothing because we did not desire anything. 
We chatter about many subjects, but our soul does not concentrate on any one object. We fall to our knees without first thinking what we mean to ask God for. We pray as a matter of habit. Man, I've been guilty of that. It's like going to the store, he says, without knowing what you want to buy. You may make a good purchase when you're there, but certainly it's not a wise plan to adopt. We pray as a matter of habit, and we get nothing because we did not desire anything. You see, God wants you to be specific with him. He wants him to be specific with him about what you need now and what you dream for the future. Not only does he want you to be specific, he invites you to be specific. You know this scripture. Hebrews 4.16, it says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You see, every time we pray, we are coming to the throne of a God who wants to help us. I want you to visualize that. The next time you pray, you are coming to the throne of a God who wants to give you good things, who wants to help you. He invites us to his throne boldly, right? Not out of habit, not haphazardly, but boldly knowing exactly what we want from him. There's nothing bolder than someone that knows specifically what they want. This is the area of my life that I've grown the most in over the last three to four years. I went on a whole journey of learning to be honest with God, and it honestly took about a decade because there was so much religiousness and perfectionism in my spirit, and I had to learn that God wants to carry my heavy burdens, that he cares about how I feel. And I went on that journey, and it changed everything about me and my relationship with God. That's what he wants to do in your life. But then these last three to four years, I've grown in the area of being specific with God, and it's been fun. I'm going to share with you some of the benefits I found of being specific with God. One, it's amazing to be able to come to God and tell him what you need. But what's amazing is when he shows up. Because you see, when you're specific with God and you tell him what you need, then you can so clearly see when he's delivered what you've asked him for. I'll give you some examples. One time I was praying for a friend that admitted she was going through a season of depression. She was feeling lethargic, couldn't concentrate on her work. And I started praying for energy over her, like praying by name, God, give Jill energy. I remember meeting her for dinner the next week. She had no idea that I was praying. And I remember her saying, I just had the greatest week. I could concentrate so much. I didn't feel tired. I had so much energy. And I was like, I've been praying that for you, right? I could see it because I asked specifically for it. I'll give you an example that has to do with our church We've shared over the last few weeks that in 2020, it became crystal clear that all of our hard work had gone down the drain when it came to trying to start a church. In 2020, we knew that we'd have to restart from the ground up, and it was then that I prayed a specific and audacious prayer to God. I remember writing in my journal, honestly, if I wouldn't have written this down, I would have never remembered, okay? So hear me say, if the best thing you could do is write your prayers down, sometimes we pray prayers and we forget And then God delivers, and we miss out on the miracle. But I wrote this prayer down, a foolish prayer. And I said, God, we're in. Fine. We'll start all over. Takes my breath away. But God, I ask you for this. God, I pray that the first Sunday we're back in a building. God, I pray for the miracle that we would have live worship. Now, if you were part of Meta 1.0 and you were with us from the beginning, you know that that's an audacious prayer. We never had live worship. Not for one Sunday. 
But I was like, God, if you want to blow my mind, God, pray. I'm praying, Lord, that we have live worship the first Sunday. Would you not believe that coincidentally, it just so happens that we got into this building the very same week that Jess and Adam came. We never got into this building. There was not one Sunday that there was not singing in this room. And I prayed for that specifically. God, God wants us to be specific like that. He wants us to stand in awe of how he delivers. If only we had the courage to ask specifically for what we need. Becoming specific in prayer is just, it's simple, guys. The next time you go to pray, Pause and ask yourself this. What is it that I desire or need from God right now? And then tell him, be specific. Name it persons, provisions, things. If you need green limes, ask God for them. What do you need him to provide? Maybe there's a number, right? A provision, a number. There's a date on the calendar you need it by. Ricky and I could tell you stories and stories of times where that has happened for us, where we're just at the end of ourselves and we're like, God, we need you to come through for us. God, we need this by then. Be specific. Or maybe you don't need God something, God to give you something. Maybe you need God to remove something. You want to know what one of the most underutilized, powerfully specific prayers you can pray is? God, remove this. God, take it away. Take away the anxiety. Take away the fear. I remember learning this um, a few years ago, when I got really sick a couple days after my 32nd birthday, I had a disease that literally came over my body, and I almost lost my eyesight. It was terrifying. Not at all how I expected to celebrate my birthday. And I remember it was then, in that season of my life, that I began to pray a prayer that I had never prayed before, and it was the prayer, God, take this away. God, take away the sickness. God, take away the fear. I think of the scripture in Psalms where David says, he's taken away my clothes of mourning. David learned what God had the power and authority to remove. Take it away, God. And you could too if you prayed specifically. What is it that you need from God? What is it that you need him to remove? Pray honestly. Tell him how you feel. Give him some adjectives. And then pray specifically for what you need. And once we've prayed honestly, and specifically, then something cool happens because then we can wait expectantly. You see, once we've prayed honestly about how we feel and specifically about what we need, then we can wait expectantly for what God will do. Hear me say this, he will answer your prayers. Yeah. Psalm 5.3, David says this, each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. You see, there's, it's a two-part process, communicating with God and praying. You bring your request to him honestly and specifically, and then you wait expectantly knowing he'll answer you. I love this scripture in the King James Version because it just changes the words ever so slightly. It says, I bring my request to you, and then I look up. I love that visual that we bow our heads. We come before God's throne honestly and specifically, and then we can look up knowing that his answer is coming, almost like a watchman waiting for the sun to rise. It's coming. Look up. Be confident of that. You can expect God to answer your prayers. He will answer your prayers. I remember hearing this when I was really young, and I feel like even the kids, you'll appreciate this. I was taught this when I was really young, and it's proven to be accurate in my life. I was taught that God will answer every single prayer you pray every prayer. There is no prayer that God ignores or dismisses, and he'll answer every prayer you pray 
one of three ways. Either yes, yes but not right now, or no, I have something better. Love that. He answers every prayer that you pray with yes, yes but not right now, or no, I have something so much better for you. You see, we can expect him to answer But not only can we expect him to answer, we can expect that he will lift us up. After Jesus shared the story about the tax collector and the Pharisee, Jesus ends by making this promise to those listening and this promise to us as well. He said this, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We don't know what the tax collector was going through this day. But we know that when he humbled himself in prayer, God lifted him up. That's how we know the story ended. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Expect it. I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know how heavy of a burden you're carrying. I don't know what happened to you last week. I don't know what the next year of your life has in store for you. But here's what I know. You can file this away. If you humble yourself before the Lord, if you bow down to him honestly and specifically, pour your heart out to him, whatever state it's in, God will not leave you where he found you. He will lift you up, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up out of your circumstances. He'll lift you up out of your emotions. This is what we can expect from him when we pray honestly and specifically to him. You see, this, my friends, is the formula for closeness. I'm going to put it up on the screen so you have it here. Pray honestly about how you feel specifically for what you need. Wait expectantly for what God will do. You want to be closer to God. You want to feel him next to you. You want to know if he's real. Like I said to the kids, hey, one day you're going to go, huh, is everything I was taught in church real? Try it. Pray to him honestly. Tell him how you feel. Pray to him specifically. Tell him what you need and wait expectantly. He will prove to you he is good and that he cares and that he is real And like I said, this can unlock a meaningful relationship with God, more meaningful than maybe you've ever experienced in your life. You see, the breakthrough you need will happen when you have the courage to bring it to God. And the closeness you desire to experience with God will be unlocked when you communicate with him. That just like I shared in the beginning of my message, God wants a meaningful relationship with you. And that relationship is unlocked by your heart and your lips. Will you do it? Do not delay. Communicate with the God who's created with you. He has so much. He wants to speak to you. As I close today, I want to invite the worship team back up. And what I want to share with you is that we have created something so that you can put this formula of closeness with God so that you can really connect with him deeper than ever before to put it into practice. So Maggie shared that we have our prayer night this Wednesday. Um, We love prayer night. There have been so many specific prayers we've prayed over the years, and we've watched God move. I'm in awe of it every single time. But not only that, we've created what we've called 40 Days of Prayer, and that will begin this Wednesday, February 22nd. You can sign up really easily by texting prayer to this number. We will send out a daily text with a prayer point so that you can practice 
praying honestly, specifically, and expectantly to God so that you can grow closer, connect with him more than maybe you've ever experienced in your life. So we hope that you would be a part of that. But with that, guys, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will lead into a time of worship. God, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart that you want to talk with us, Lord. That, God, sometimes you can feel distant, and we're not content with that, but neither are you, Lord. God, I thank you that you want a relationship with us, God, that you can handle whatever we're carrying, God. That you want to show up for us, that you want to show us how real you are. So God, I pray that as we listen to this message, it is not the power of my words. This is a simple message. The power is activated when we do something with it. So God, I pray that we would hold nothing back from you. That whatever it is that we've been holding back, whether it's honesty about what we've been through or what we're carrying or the state of our hearts, God, that we would not hold that back. God, I pray if there's a need that we have, that we'd have the courage to bring it to you, Lord that we'd have the courage to be specific about what we need, and that, God, you would blow our minds with the way you show up for us. God, I pray in this moment that we would, our spirits would rise with hope, expecting, just like David did, that if we pray to you, Lord, that you will answer, that we can wait expectantly for that. God, we thank you for who you are and the relationship you desire to have with us. God, I pray that we would step into that relationship today, that we would not delay a meaningful relationship with the God who has created us is waiting. God, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today on the MetaChurch Podcast. To connect further with us, find us on Instagram or visit us online.